Jennifer Silvernagel, how are you? What's up, Gary McGowan? I am good. Guess what? This is this is episode three. You know what they say about threes? Uh, it's a habit. <laughs> I don't know what to say about threes. <laughs> nice. Good things coming threes, and we got a special guest and all sorts of fun stuff in crack for today. So let's get started. We're going to roll right into the intro and get our main man on screen here. How's that sound? Sounds great. Here we go, KWRC TV, and we are bringing on a special guest. Super excited about that. Uh, what else are we doing today, Jen? We got lots of fun stuff in store. Yeah, we got our we got our top threes lined up. We got our quick takes for the for the day. We got a, a little script going on. We got some we got some new stuff. We got some old stuff. Can we call it old after three episodes? <laughs> Is that a thing? <laughs> you just did. So yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. Is now. <laughs> so yes. Yeah. 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 All, all good. All good. And and please let us know where you're watching from and and writing comments and we love that sort of stuff. We can bring them on screen and everything like that. And and even after, if we're not live and you happen to be watching uh, this as a replay, send in your comments because Jen and I will circle back and and uh, comment or, or like or, or reach out to you, whatever it needs, whatever you need, we'll, we'll be there for you. So as yeah. we said, we've got a special guest speaker today. Guest speaker? That's not right. I, I, <laughs> it is now. He didn't, yeah, he doesn't, we're he just making up that. all sorts of stuff today. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't know that, but uh, it's all good. Austin Clark, love the intro. Yes, sir. Um, and, and today we reached out to one of our top producers at Keller Williams Realty Centers, uh, Vincent Bongard. I'm going to bring you on screen, my man, and I'll do the intro with you with your smiling face right here. So, Vincent. Hi there, hi there. I was, I was not aware of any speeches today, so let me grab the tequila first. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice, nice. So, for those of you that didn't catch that, that was tequila. And and Vincent, you you are where'd you come from? Where where does a a six foot two blonde haired guy come from? Yeah, not Mexico, that's for sure. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Switzerland, Switzerland, Switzerland. Uh, all right, that's very good. Or, 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 or Sweden, people mix it up all the time anyway, and I just stopped fighting it, I'll just take it, I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Stop. Okay, what's, nothing to do with real estate, but that's, this is awesome. What's the favorite thing about Switzerland? Your favorite thing? Um, me, me now. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> What's the famous? I think Swiss people are very uh, humble, just like myself, obviously. Um, <laughs> nice. and make good, nice, nice, good nice, chocolate nice. and good chocolate good and good cheese. Yeah. Very, yeah. very small town. Very small country. We're actually twenty-six times smaller than Ontario. Really? Yeah, and we got. Uh, but we got four four official languages, so everything is in four languages. We have, of course, German, French, Italian, and then we have a very a minority who speaks a very f interesting language, almost a Latin language. It's called Rumanch. 
it's only about 7,000 people who speak it, but they're trying, working really hard to conserve that language. And um, yeah, it's on all our bills, on all our official papers. Every, so everything is in four language. So yeah, we're 26 times smaller than Ontario, but we have 26 provinces. So imagine that. So some provinces are as, as small as York region or even smaller. And then wow. every province has has different tax laws and different rules and regulations, basically, um, and also different dialects. It's it's crazy. There's a lot happening in this little small <laughs> little piece of piece of Europe there. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of things in a very small space. <laughs> oh man. So how does a guy from Switzerland then leave like the Swiss Alps, the mountains, the the beautiful scenery? Um, how does a guy go from that to coming to our lovely land of Ontario, Aurora, to be exact? How does, how does that happen? Well, to be honest, I, I came here for the skiing. Um, <laughs> Liar. Liar. <laughs> um, I heard the mountains are great. So I, I heard about Blue Mountain. I was like, amazing. We got mountains here. So let's, let's, let's go. <laughs> um, no, I mean, a lot of people probably know the story. My, my wife's from here, born and raised, uh, met her at the 2008 Olympics in China. And uh, yeah, she she brought me over here. She imported me. And uh, <laughs> now I'm here. Now I'm here with no desire to go back. Nice, nice, nice. And you left a kind of an interesting career, if I remember correctly. You were, were you a sportscaster or news? You were on TV, right? I wasn't I wasn't on TV well sometimes but just for little pieces but I was mostly a, a producer of sports shows and um, yeah kind of behind the scene they I don't I, I have a radio face I guess <laughs> nice. I've often heard that said about me but I don't I, I don't know what they mean Vincent I don't know anyways I don't know either <laughs> anyways it's all good it's all good so you've been here now for how many years did you Move here six, seven years ago. How long have you been back to back? Yeah, to I think it's uh, in February. It's going to be seven years already. It's crazy how this just flies by. Sometimes I feel like I've been here forever. Yeah, because um, just so much happened in these seven years, and so much. Yeah, it was never boring. It was always something. Um, so that's why it feels like I've, I've been here forever. Nice. And then I look back, and I still think seven years. That's wow. That's a long time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and in that seven years, you've you know you, you've created an amazing reputation for yourself in the real estate world as as you know one of the go-to realtors and here in the Aurora New Market, kind of that north area of York Region. Like that just doesn't happen overnight. Like how how did you how did you go from like being a brand new agent to being one of the top producers at Keller Williams Realty Centers? Um, well, to be honest, it wasn't easy in the beginning. It was. Uh... I started in, 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 in Toronto on a team and uh, yeah, looking back, like I always pictured real estate being this fancy job. You wear nice suits, you nice shoes, you dress, uh, you, you drive a nice car, you show cool houses. And because I, I had no idea what real estate is, it doesn't even exist in Switzerland, right? Well, maybe it starts now, but back then, none of my friends, parents has ever sold a house. You build a house, you live there forever. And when the parents are ready to retire or uh, go to home, the kids usually, so there's no real turnover. So I had mm -hmm. no idea what the, what the, what the career is going to look like. And um, 
it was was uh, yeah honestly it was pretty frustrating in the beginning it was just kind of like i i was a we came here my wife started working right away she had the license already while i was just stay at home dad with or then our two-year-old and during his naps i i got my license and studied and when i was finally licensed and ready to get it out and tackle it it was kind of uh yeah wasn't the, the way i thought it would be mm-hmm. and i think what kind of saved kind of saved me and that's an important thing is like like it took me i think six months to get my first deal which is a long time but um so what helped me getting through these six months was really setting other goals for myself that i could directly have an impact if I achieve them or not. Like real estate, a lot of it is out of our control. A lot of it is sometimes luck, sometimes bad luck, but things that we can't control is the work we put into it. So for me, it was door knocking because I, I liked it. I tried cold calling for a weekend and I hated it. I was ready to tear, tear up my license, but door knocking I could control. So instead of focusing on selling houses, uh, and it sounds weird. I focused on knocking on doors, and I said, "My goal is a thousand doors this week," and I did it. And I uh, had these little wins every day, every, and that kind of gave me the, the kind of the fuel I needed to pull through. And then, of course, at some point, the results started to show. Like, as long as you're out there putting in the work, the you'll get the results at some point. So that helped me and um, yeah, all of a sudden that wheel started spinning and I stuck to my routine and um, yeah, helped me to get where, where I'm now. And I was actually just thinking about that, that and everybody who's, who's new in the business here listening to that, just gotta re- re- remember that it's, it's, a, it's an endurance test, real estate. No one just gets out and sells five or 10 houses in the first, I even say half a year. If you do it in your first half year, then you're just an absolute rock star. I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And there, there's some good stuff there. I love Jen that he said, uh, you know, don't focus on getting that first listing or selling five homes in the first year. Go focus on the task of the day. Like go go knock yeah. on those a hundred doors the first day, or create those twenty new contacts. Right? Like that's that's important stuff, Vincent. Yeah, I mean, right. in my. Right. So I was gonna say in my brain, I'm like thinking, I'm like I, I need all of the coaching guys to just watch that snippet of this conversation because that's that's exactly what they need to hear, right? It's disproportionate time on the task will get the results, right? Yeah, I remember I was in uh, in Bolt and I signed up just weeks before I knew I would get licensed. And back then, when we were able to have in person Bolt, uh, they. At the beginning of each session, you report your numbers, like how many appointments did you have, how many um, conditional deals, how many firm deals, all kind of stuff. And of course, I had nothing to show. I was just like zero, zero, zero. Like, <laughs> and yeah, I could have made excuses, of course. I said, well, I'm not licensed yet. Or I'm just licensed for a week. But there was this other thing called Bold 100. So if you get 100 contacts a day, you get a, a little pin. And that's something I could control. That's something I could at least put myself out there and uh, have control over. So I just did that like every week. 
and at least I could raise my hand when they said, okay, anybody did a bold 100? I'm like, here, yeah. and I'm like, oh, <laughs> this guy, <laughs> this guy again. <laughs> it's like the one win, right? Just that focus on that one win until you get, you get more, but just keep focusing on the positive of it, which is hugely yeah. important, especially at the beginning, right? It's super important because again, a lot of people come into this business with such high expectations and uh, it's a tough goal. Like it's, I mm -hmm. think the first six to eight months are incredible. Like they're very, very tough and yeah, definitely helps. Like we have an amazing setting here in our office. I think with you, Jen and Gary and a lot of people that you can reach out to and that are willing to help. Um, but yeah, you gotta, you gotta, pull through and just trust I always say trust the process if you do what works for other people and you you do it for long enough you'll you'll see the results of course you can't just say okay I'm going to go out call 200 people a day now and you do it for a week and you don't have a result and then you give up on it you have to trust the process interesting so things. just in, in a couple of moments before we sign off here Vincent with with you do you think I'm curious on your insight here. Do you think people stay on the process long enough or do you, do you see them not getting the results and jumping too quickly? Uh, I, I don't think I know enough about what other people, how they run. I can tell you, like I obviously I'm, I'm known for door knocking. Um, I got about probably 20 to 40 people a year that reach out to me and, uh, ask me if they could shadow me and come with me. And I'm, I'm happy to take them with me. I actually love having people with me because I feel I perform better. I want to show them it works. It's like you take someone to go fishing, you want to catch fish. You don't want to take someone, oh, I'm the best fisherman. Let's go out the whole day and then no single bite. So I love taking people out with me and they get all fired up and they got excited and uh, they're ready to go. They want to do the same cards and then they go a week or two weeks and then I don't hear anything from them anymore. So getting back to your question, I think people give up too too soon, probably. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, because it is, it's not easy. It's not easy to hang in there and just trust that if you do it for long enough, it works. And that's not just for door knocking, that's for all, for all kind of whatever it might be. And the beauty in our business is we have so many different ways to, to create business. I think it's just important to do what you enjoy. If you don't enjoy it, you're not going to do it. Like if someone would force me to call, I don't know, to cold call eight hours a day, I wouldn't last half a day. Um, mm -hmm. So find your niche, find what you like, because you're automatically going to be better at that and it's going to be easier to stick to it and the results will, will come. That's it. You nailed it. I was gonna. I was gonna ask yeah. you for like a. In closing, what, what do you want people to know? Oh my gosh, that's one of my favorite quotes or, or or things to talk about is you know focus on the stuff or work on the stuff, do the stuff that you love, and and leverage the stuff that you aren't particularly good at it. And you said it so perfectly. I love it. Yeah. I love it. So in signing off, Vincent, what's uh, what, what's what's in store for you this year? What are people gonna see from Vincent Bungard uh, in 2021? Um, good, good question. I mean, uh, my goal is always to like, when it comes to business to, to beat the previous year. Um, I don't necessarily, I'm, I don't set a lot of goals usually, um, before COVID, the only goal I set was always the number of doors I'm going to knock. And I always try to do more and more and more. 
Um, but now it's kind of like, I don't know when I can go back again. So I think I'm just going to stick to my routine and try to beat last year. And other than that, uh, yeah, maybe to leverage myself a little bit more because that's definitely something I'm not great at. Um, I, I just said, mm. I was just, just before we jumped on here, I was out so, shoveling someone's driveway on a list that I have. It's like, <laughs> that's just stuff I, that's stuff I shouldn't do. I should give someone 20 bucks. 20 bucks to the neighbor's kid or something and say, just shovel it. But I don't know. Nice. Well, I tell you what, I'll give you 20 bucks to come shovel my driveway right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that. even good at it. I'm not even good at that. So. <laughs> I didn't know that was a skill, but evidently it is. Yes. <laughs> Very good. Well, Vincent, appreciate your time and obviously your wise words and, and not only that, but your leadership, you know, you, you lead a by pleasure. example. Uh, here and that's what we love so all the best to you in 2021 and uh, looking forward to seeing your huge success this year my friend thanks for having me and the good stuff you're doing it's it's really cool i love it cheers see you buddy thanks bye vincent bongard one of our faves you never know what you're gonna get from him <laughs> Usually I, love some tequila. I love it <laughs> yeah just let him talk right there's so many gems in that i was like i don't even want to interrupt just keep talking <laughs> Yeah. yeah that was awesome and i had no idea switzerland was set up like that so that's pretty that's pretty cool pretty wild eh? it's yeah i always find it really intriguing to talk to all our friends that uh, you know you and i were born and raised in canada like our, our our experience from this perspective it is just one perspective but talking to our friends that uh you know come from other countries and immigrate to canada i always find it so fascinating and i think we need to do more of it mm -hmm. like like learn and ask questions of of those that you know come from from different parts of the world and and we're gonna learn a lot from them yeah for sure great yeah. interview yeah that was a really great yeah one. i enjoyed that for sure yeah it was good on a side note i was actually born in ireland so i take not that from back Canada. Jen, i knew that why did i say that okay i don't know gary <laughs> and it's it's why i send you pictures of of of, of guinness. Looking guinness yeah i know <laughs> Well, I'm taking I'm taking my own advice. I'm surrounding myself from people from other parts of the world. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And I mean, I was a kid when I moved here. So like, unlike Vincent, who hasn't been here as long, has was a lot older when he moved, right? So I did essentially like I feel like I grew up in Canada for sure. Cause majority of my life has been here. I was nine when I immigrated. So um, a little bit different, right? Than coming from being an adult somewhere else and then transitioning to to Canada. But yeah. Oh, that's um, funny. Yeah, that is funny. <laughs> oh, man, I love it. Very All right, good. what's on the docket for today? What are we doing? So uh, this will be your cue. This is what we're doing right here. <music> Top threes. So we yeah. talked about this um, this yesterday. And uh, we went through, you know, a couple of different scenarios of what, you know, what are our top threes. I'm just fixing your camera as I speak here because that's what we do at KWRC TV. We do things live. Look at that. Perfectly shot. Um, so, you know, the, the first the first episode, we talked about th your, your three questions to ask when buying a property. Then last week, we talked about your three lead gen or, or, or favorite lead gen levers we do in, in this type of market. And, and Jen had a great one yesterday, uh, you know, top three investment strategies or, or investments during a hot market. And mm -hmm. 
we quickly came up with three, like pretty quickly. It's just, you know, the story around those, each one is going to be a little bit different than the previous one, obviously. And, yeah. and, and I found this actually more intriguing the more I thought about it. Yeah. So, yeah. There's, there's so many options, right? Like that's what's kind of crazy about it is that there's just such a variety. And that's what makes it such a great question is that because everyone's answer is going to be slightly different based on our knowledge and their experience, of course, but it's still, you know, when you look at the opportunities by trying to figure out what the best three are, all of a sudden you start thinking of more and then that creates that snowball effect. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, exactly. So the first one we came up with uh, in this type of market where it's really, really hot, it, you know, investments can, can range from real estate to outside of real estate. And that's what these will, these, these three different opportunities, if you will, are. And the first one, you know, near and dear to my heart and will always be, because that's how I got into it, to real estate, are investment properties, right? And, mm -hmm. and even in a hot market like this, you know, look for opportunities. You know, real estate is not about winning today. The how you win today is by planning for the future. And I mean future, I mean like five, 10, 15 years down the road, right? You can't see my arm, but I'm pointing really far. <laughs> <laughs> And, and people will often mistake the quick win for generating wealth, right? Mm -hmm. And wealth can mean so many different things to so many different people. And, and sometimes it means, you know, having, having the financial means to send your kids to school when it's time to send your kids to school, for instance, or paying off your mortgage or, or having funds to do the things that you want to do in retirement and, and to be able to give back. And, and even in a hot market like this, investment properties, uh, there's still great purchases. You know, look for opportunities. Don't look in the areas around where we live because typically where we live, it's very expensive. Right? And that's just the nature of the, you know, most people are watching from the greater Toronto area and look into the, some of those secondary markets and and I you know I I have properties in Barrie even though Barrie is a hot market now look in Aurelia look in um, you know Midland look east of us look west of us look in those markets where there's you know still opportunity to buy and cash flow and understand what that means so that to me is still will always be number one because what happens with real estate Jen over time well it it makes you money it goes up right goes, yeah yeah mm -hmm. exactly I was talking with an agent uh, earlier today. And, and he's looking to buy investment properties, but he's discouraged because they're so expensive. And I said, here's the best thing. If I said that about the properties I bought 10 years ago, I never would have bought them. I, I wouldn't have generated that appreciation over the last 10 years, right? So it's all relative right. to where, where you're, not where you are, but where you're going to be. Where you're going, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the next one that Jen and I talked about, uh, and this one uh, would be my second favorite one at this moment in a hot, hot market is the stock market. And I know we don't often get to talk about stocks on a real estate show. And, and we're going <laughs> to do that today. And, and over this past year, there's been a tremendous opportunity, right? When, when markets kind of do one of these, look for that opportunity and chaos. And, and it's, you know, it's people that uh, have have that awareness. And if you don't know anything about the stock market, for instance, my wife, you know, she knew and knew about the stock market. But in the past year, she went and did some courses and educated herself. And, and now she's able to, you know, invest some of some of her funds and the funds that we have into the stock market and mm -hmm. in very, very stable stocks. You know, we're not looking for the home run, although those are nice. 
uh, yeah. we're, we're looking to generate wealth down the road, right? And right. and some of the stocks that we've been been looking at are you know your staple stocks that've been around for years, stocks that pay you dividends. Look for look for a stock that does that. So even though it might go up and down throughout the years, it's going to be paying you anywhere from like a you know, we look at stocks that pay anywhere from basically a five to about a 12% dividend every year. So how cool is that? You're getting money just to own the stock, let alone yeah. riding it on the up or, or the down. And and for for some people that have locked in RSPs, I know years ago I was able to work at Bell, good or bad, I don't know, that's another story. And, yeah. <laughs> and I have, you know, I have a locked in RSP in there and I was able to, to take ownership of that, meaning manage it myself and get, you know, realign where some of those those funds were. And now I'm, I'm heavily invested mm-hmm. in the stocks that pay um, pay dividends. And, and Austin has a good comment here. Yeah, look for stocks that, you know, index funds for sure. If you don't know enough about uh, the stocks, there's certainly enough people, enough resources out there to start asking some questions and educate yourself. You know, I, I love real estate. That's where most of my investments are. However, you, you got to, you know, you got to look outside of, of real estate from time to time as well. The third one, and this, this might be the one that will get overlooked over and over and over and over again, and that's investing uh, your, your resources into private mortgages. And private mortgages can mean a number of different things. And, and more specifically, what I'm referring to is you can use your RSP and, and certainly go educate yourself on this. You know, reach out to me and I can certainly point you in the right directions. And there's some really great mortgage brokers out there that will use RSP funds to provide second mortgages and sometimes first mortgages to investors or homeowners, borrowers that require those funds. And if we already love real estate, why not invest in this type of vehicle? So if you've got an RSP and you, you're looking to to generate a better return or a stronger return, or maybe more importantly, a more secure return. Uh, RSP mortgages could be a fantastic vehicle for you, and and you can set your own criteria on how much you're gonna lend and what that loan to value is as well. So again, if these are all terms that, that you're not familiar with, uh, reach out to a Jen and I, because maybe this is something we spend more time on in the future. Uh, remember, real estate is not all about selling and buying homes. It's about generating opportunities for others. And and we've done it. I've I've been the lender and I've been the borrower in both cases, whether it's, you know, private money, of course, money from from the banks or in private or in in, in RSP mortgages. To me, that is an often overlooked avenue to to uh, generate wealth with or to get your RSPs out there or your investment funds. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. For any any addition to that, Jen, to something that we missed? I don't know. No, I think those are the those are the main three. I think that we kind of talked about. There's so many options, but I think the the key thing, and and you said it a lot when you were talking, was educate. Right, Edu- No matter what you're gonna do, um, there's a lot of great options. The key is educate yourself, understand it, talk to people who've done it, know the pitfalls, know how to set yourself up so that you're protected regardless of what that investment is. Right on the on the income property side, obviously as realtors. We kind of know that world. We get it. We know how the numbers work. We know what to look for. We know how to advise people. But when it comes to stocks and you know RSPs and second mortgages and private lending, like, 
that may be a world we don't know that well, but it doesn't mean we can't take up take the opportunity, right? But go learn and talk to people and do what Michelle did, right? Which is awesome. I love that she did that. Go learn, take courses, educate yourself, and then go invest. Because if that money's just sitting there, you're missing a big opportunity, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's funny. We we have friends and we love them dearly, and their claim to fame over the last nine months. <laughs> funny enough and it's awesome you know whatever you do whatever hobby you have awesome thumbs up and and uh, they were kind of laughing goes well all i've learned to do over the last nine months is learn how to cut hair <laughs> you, went, you went you went and learned how to like invest into your future and generate opportunities for yourself so you know time is valuable right so what you do with our what we do with our time uh, is really really important and hey yeah. you do what makes you you know makes as 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 Vincent said earlier do the things that you enjoy doing right for sure yeah for sure yeah exactly good stuff yeah good stuff I'm, this head piece keeps coming out are you free? So I'm just gonna leave it out <laughs> good stuff that wraps that up so you know what we got time for now is this Quick takes. Look at that. I got messages from last week. Yeah, staging is great at any market. It's still true, even even a week later. <laughs> good stuff. Good stuff. So quick takes. Yeah. So what what you'll you'll see on the screen here momentarily is um, is is different topics that Jen and I are going to talk about. And uh, it really is our quick takes of what we think of them and provide some insight and so forth. And um, what is going on here? Here we go. Now, now my screen's getting better. And um, hey, Jen and I, even yesterday, we realized we saw things a little bit differently. So this will be yeah. kind of fun. Actually, this will be a lot of fun. I should. This is this is how we pre-plan a show by making sure everyone's cameras are perfect before we start. <laughs> it's all good. Okay. It's like resetting. It's really weird. I know. I know. It's all good. So here's what we're talking about today. So we got home inspections, um, meaning during a hot market like this, how to do them, what to do them, should the seller do them, should the buyer do them, uh, exclusive listings, uh, why people take take listings exclusive, offer dates and irrevocable dates, like what the heck is going on in this incredibly hot market. And then we're going to have some fun with some scripting and uh, the objection that the sorry the seller is saying is anything will sell in this market why should I choose a real estate agent, right? And and then we're going to talk a little bit about social media apps. So uh, Jen and I don't know what each other's objection is going to be, so this will be kind of fun. And um, yeah, that we'll leave it at that. So uh, home inspections, Jen. Yeah, so this is coming up so much right now in the market. Buyers wanting to do home inspections, obviously offers with conditions not being accepted. Um, what's the best approach to take with that? And so we kind of came up, I think, with a, a couple of different answers, but the main ones are, you know, if you're representing a buyer um, and you you know your buyer wants to put in that offer and they, they know, you know that they want a home inspection, then talk to that listing agent and get in and do a pre-home inspection for that property. It might cost your client $400 if they don't win, but it's worth the investment if they do get the property and peace of mind for them. Um, the challenge with that, what we're experiencing is that some agents are don't want to allow home inspections on their property because there's such demand to get into the property. And, you know, you, I think that the key to that is is negotiating it, negotiate that with that seller and say, listen, 
I only want 45 minutes or an hour. We'll, we want to look at this, 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 and this. We don't need to do a three-hour home inspection. We just need to get the details by someone qualified to make sure my clients are confident moving forward, right? And we're going to respect that time. And I think that that will give you a bit of a leg up in getting those inspections done. Um, the one thing that I find so weird about this market is that you know, previously when we had these crazy hot markets, sellers doing home inspections was normal. They would provide a, a pre-inspection and everybody would review it and it made everyone at ease and we avoided this whole problem. And this wave, it's like, they're like, nah, we just, we just let them deal with it or I'm going to get an offer that doesn't have it. So why would I spend the money? And, you know, I would argue that you might get more offers or you might get more buyers on, on the table if you provide that for them because some people who might be great qualified buyers just aren't willing to do it without that home inspection opportunity. Um, so why would you cut that out of your opportunity for making more money, right? Nailed it. And you still have 10 seconds to spare, so I'm just going to sit back. <laughs> Let's just, like, let everybody ponder. <laughs> yeah, that's good. That's good insight. No, you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, every situation, every home is going to be a little bit different. And uh, if you as the seller can provide it and, and if it's a, f a few hundred bucks, three, four hundred bucks for a pre-inspection and perhaps you can, if, it, if it's going to offer you an opportunity to get, we don't need more at this moment when you're getting 15 or more offers, we don't need more. What we need is highly valuable offers. That's what we, that's what we're looking. We're not looking for more offers. We're looking for for people to, you know, as you said, peace of mind, and maybe it allows them to offer something a little bit more money uh, with, with that. So that's good. That's good insight, yeah. Jen. I like it. Okay. Exclusive listings. Yeah. The question is from, from a lot of buyers and sellers, why do agents take exclusive listings? And this question also, believe it or not, comes from a lot of other real estate agents that perhaps don't understand the value of taking exclusive listings. So especially in a market like this where it is so hot, I highly recommend, because people will say, well, if I put my house up for sale, I got to buy something and I can't buy anything. It's so, it's so aggressive yeah. right now. However, there's there's some great great platforms out there like Broker Bay. If your broker has Broker Bay, there's there's approximately 800 exclusive listings out there right now. And if we got more listings held exclusively onto that, uh, maybe some properties exchange that way. Another way to talk to your sellers about why taking homes exclusive is until we actually have a contract written on the home, meaning a listing contract, legally through Rico's eyes, we can't advertise that home for sale. So taking it exclusive is a great value proposition to talk to your sellers. I often use the analogy, the Apple analogy. When Apple, Apple launches their new iPhone, they don't launch it today and say, hey, look, we got a new phone. They'll tell you months in advance, right? And that's mm -hmm. similar to what you can do with an exclusive listing. Get that, you know, get it prepped, get it ready to be listed on the MLS. And, and start that marketing campaign. So when, if it does hit the MLS, and right now that's, that's the choice of a lot of people because they want maximum exposure, it, your marketing train is already hitting at 100 miles an hour as opposed to, yeah. as opposed to trying to catch up to it. To me, that, that's such a huge advantage and why, why listings are exclusive. And it, I have, from time to time, I, I'll take an exclusive listing and I won't get in the way. If there's another agent that wants to bring an offer in, perfect. If it makes sense to all parties, let's make it happen. Yeah. We sold properties before it hit the MLS. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I would even add to that. Um, we have 200 plus agents in our brokerage who, if everybody in our brokerage is getting their listings potential and future on exclusives, and we know that there's an inventory shortage, what a great service to give to all of our buyer clients to say, hey, I have this private inventory of exclusive listings proprietary to my brokerage that I can now give you the opportunity and exposure to, to help you find that perfect home. Right. So if we if somehow we can collectively all jump on that same train, we could create mass opportunity for our own businesses and our own clients and, you know, not worry so much about all of the other brokerages and all those other listings and all the crazy that's going on out there, because I'm sure with 200 of us, we can figure it out. Right. So there is also that opportunity to keep it within our family and, and support each other and, and do it internal as much as possible. Right. Um, as long as we're giving fair market value then there's no there's no concern it's not an exclusive doesn't equal deal right that's right yeah okay. this, this this quick take turned into a long take but it's such it's an it. important yeah. one right and yeah. especially in this type of market and you know we we were talking you know we're, we're always talking to our agents and and our top producers and, and and a lot of our agents you know people like Vincent they'll have 10 15 25 30 buyers they're working with mm mm-hmm. mhm and think about that. The majority of those buyers are also sellers, right? So if we got a lot of those sellers or homes onto the exclusive network or in within our Broker Bay platform and within, as you said, our, our 200 plus agents with the haves and must haves, uh, there's a lot of opportunity there, a lot of opportunity. Mm-hmm. So if, if, if I'm an agent in our brokerage and I've got five buyers in my back pocket, we can't find anything. I'm I'm creating social posts. I'm talking to other agents in the brokerage, and I'm seeing what I can muster up for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's move on. Let's move on. All right. Um, offer date versus irrevocable. What's the difference? What's the difference there? So <clears throat> let me let me set this up, Jen, and you take it from there. Sure. I'm I'm a listing agent, and I'm going to hold an offer date for three days, or I'm gonna not have an offer date and I'm gonna set an irrevocable time. And if you surpri- you provide me with an offer, it has to be a minimum of X hours or days. And maybe that's 24 or 48 hours. Is there, mm-hmm. is there an advantage to one or what can we do there? Yeah, I mean, such a great topic in this market because that's that's the challenge we're all facing. I think the biggest issue that we're seeing with offer dates right now is that when we set a date, so say we decide Monday evening we're going to review offers or afternoon or whatever, it gives us a set amount of showing opportunities, right? There's a set amount of windows of time where people can be in the property. And if your seller is living at home, that's an even smaller window. So first of all, Ideally, your seller can't be home in this market. When we're getting 100 plus showings on properties, it's crazy, right? Um, And then secondly is what happens when you get to offer day and you've got 30 more buyers that wanted to see the house and there wasn't a time slot available for them. Do you then extend the offer date to make sure those buyers get in? Do they just lose out on that property because they didn't get in quick enough? What does that mean for you as a buyer agent? Like There are some handcuffs when it comes to an offer date. 
So, you know, but the positives of it are that it's clear, it's it's above board, everyone knows exactly what's happening, there's clarity around it, but do you have to be willing to adjust and, and shift to make sure that all of those potential buyers get in through that house? Or do we start pushing the COVID protocols harder and say, preview the virtual tours and the walkthroughs first, and then once you've seen them, then come book an appointment and start to try and control the amount of appointments we're getting, but it, we have unprecedented demand, so it's really hard to navigate that. The concern with the irrevocable timeline is that, you know, and I've seen 72 hours, that's becoming more and more normal now for irrevocables, which is bizarre to see, but I understand it, right? Because they want that window of time for all those other agents to show up, but you're gonna come up against the same challenge, right? If there's 50 buyers and 72 hours, you know, that math doesn't really work out. So how do you get all those buyers into that property? And I think part of it is gonna fall on the buyer agent and, and their due diligence and getting on that showing sheet quickly and being reactive and, and moving fast for their client. And, you know, there are gonna be homes people miss out on. Um, there's also homes out there where the agents are not putting an offer date and selling it in 24 hours, which is probably a huge disservice to their client, right? But at the same time, if they get a number that they're happy with and their seller's happy, they can move on from dealing with all of the, the craziness of the market. So I guess an answer and a very long-winded answer um, is that there is no right answer. There's no solution to the problem, but it's, you know, how do we navigate it? effectively and what set expectations are you going to be setting for your seller right regardless of which route you take make sure they understand that those dates might have to change those circumstances might shift a little bit and we've got to be okay with moving moving the mark moving the bar and then we've got to be clearly um, expressing that to everybody who has booked an appointment on the property right to make sure that there's compliance there yeah that you said it so great and yeah, there's so much there to talk about um, again, this is something that we could probably circle back on and have a long take on. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, let's let's kind of go off script a little bit. Uh, Rhonda actually has a really, really great question uh, here. Uh, a lot of sellers are wanting to go on MLS to get multiple offers and they feel exclusive uh, listing, for instance, will not offer that. How do you respond to that, please? Jen, what's your first thoughts when, when a seller says something like that? Yeah, I love it. And, and I think that's a great point, Rhonda. Um, I would say that the purpose of the exclusive is not necessarily to avoid or not go on MLS. It's to create buzz and energy around the property to get that coming soon sign or get that exclusive rider out on the lawn to let all of the agents that you know become aware that, hey, this property is coming on the market. It doesn't mean that you have to sell it to the first person that wants to see it or to anybody before it hits MLS, but it could create an opportunity to get a fantastic offer off market and save yourself the hassle of dealing with all of the showings and all of the people coming through the property um, and give you some comfort around that during COVID specifically. Uh, and, you know, as long as the, the offer is a, at a point where it's worth it for you to take it and you don't feel that you're losing out on any opportunity, then that's awesome. And if you don't get that, you go to MLS and you see what happens, right? That's, that's well said, Jen. And it, this is where it comes back to talking to your sellers and, and your buyers, right? And, and just continuing to educate them and continue more importantly to ask questions. And then what do agents have the hardest time doing is just sitting back and listening, right? And, and just you know, asking that question and, and just taking in what your sellers are saying. And I get it, I've been there before too, where you're, the sellers are really looking for you to, to make a decision. And at the end of the day, it's, it's our job or our role, I should say, 
uh, to provide our clients with enough information so they can make a sound, educated decision on what's best for them and their families. And there's there's so many great things that, that Jen said there. More importantly uh, is understanding your client's needs for sure. And and just as Jen said, it's 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 use it as a marketing um, uh, aspect, and, and maybe that that helps along with that conversation. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. Good, good. Yes, Rhonda's happy with that. <laughs> good. We pass. <laughs> good. Yeah, and this is cool. Like if you've got questions, we could go off scripts a little bit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're good. We're easy going. We're easy going. If you got questions like that, we're happy to ask them or answer them for sure. And if we don't know, I'll just I'll just go find Vincent somewhere. We'll bring him back on the screen. <laughs> <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> very good. Very good. Okay. So Jen, mm-hmm. seller, seller says anything will sell in this market. Why do I need an agent? Yeah. Great question. <laughs> I should flip for it. So who goes first? You or me? You get to uh, it doesn't matter. I'll go first. I'll okay. go first. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I would say, you know what? That's a that's a fantastic point. And, and you're right. Uh, most properties probably would sell in this market. But is your end goal to sell your home or is it to net the most money from the sale of your property? And here's what I mean when I ask you that question. If you put up a sign and you sell your home, you'll make a decent amount of money. But in order to sell your home for the most money, you have to think about the process. So it's not just about selling your house. It's about how you market your home. It's about, you know, staging and prepping your home and doing all of the work prior to the property going on the market. Then once it does go on the market, we're dealing with, you know, 50, 60, 70 agents wanting to see that home and having buyers that are interested potentially in putting in an offer. So now you have to navigate all of those phone calls. You have to give them the reason why it's the best investment for their client. You have to establish your expectation for price and you have to navigate and manage all of that with your time. And then of course comes offer night when you have to review the offers and the paperwork and make sure that you're accepting the best buyer with the best deposit, the best offer structure to get you what you need in the timeline that you want. And unfortunately just putting a sign in the yard isn't gonna get that for you. Does that make sense? So I like what Jen did there. She pretty much took every objection <laughs> and wrapped it neatly into into her response. So yep. there's not much I can add to that. <laughs> but Sorry, I like Gary. It. I like it. I gotta I got to make a note. Next time Gary goes first on any objection. <laughs> oh my bad. Sorry. All good. All I can't that's my go to script for that one. All good. And and <laughs> Your script is not much different than mine, although much more eloquent. <laughs> and, and usually what I say in that point is, and, and I'll describe, I don't need to describe all the tasks that agents do. Most people know. At the end of the day, as Jen said, you know, are you looking to sell your house or are you looking to net the most that you can from your house? And there's more questions to be asked, Mr. Seller. Do you have the experience to na- navigate what multiple offers look like and how to navigate meaning is there things that we need to protect you from and do you know what you can and can't say to and uh, when selling a house so there's all sorts of things that we can kind of pull in and remember the objection an objection to something like this is typically in reference to your value proposition so if i'm going to go off script a little bit meaning I didn't explain or present my value proposition well enough for them to say yes. 
-hmm. And that's what it's kind of going to boil back to. So I'm really cheating here and not giving you a substantial one, but Jen pretty much <laughs> wrapped up everything. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask some more questions. Why do you feel that way? Do you feel that you can you know net the most by selling it yourself? Uh, what, tell me about and, and this is the best one. I knew it would come to my head. This is the best one. <laughs> when people say that, when when home when home sellers or homeowners say that, here's one simple question that you if people know me that they, they know I like simple questions like my three questions to ask when buying investment properties. Mm -hmm. Tell me about your marketing campaign. What's that? What's your marketing program going to look like? I know every home can sell like this, but tell me how you're going to market it. And they'll give you the staples and then you fill in all the blanks and all the stuff that mm -hmm. uh, all the all the added value that that you do. Good. Right. Good, good, good. Okay. I forgot to run the clock, but we we're way over. That's okay. <laughs> Social media app or apps. Jen. So, Clubhouse just came out. TikTok's mm -hmm. out there and starting to get popular. Facebook has now been around for a, well, years and years and years, a decade actually, over a decade. Then there's Twitter, yeah. then there's YouTube, and then there's video, and then there's live video. What do I focus on as an agent? Yeah, that's a loaded question. Um, I, I think the simplest answer, I was thinking about this yesterday, and I think the simplest answer I can give is go where the people are. Right. Um, and go where the people you want to work with are more specifically. I mean, TikTok's an awesome app. It's fun. People have a good time. There's lots of dances and all of that sort of stuff. But your average demographic isn't buying a house or selling a house anytime in the near future. So, you know, if you want to get on there and position yourself as the agent of TikTok, that's awesome. In like 10 to 15 years, you'll probably have a killer business. Right. But in it, realistically, they're not your target demographic. It's Facebook. It's Instagram. For some people, it can be LinkedIn if you're if you're going to be connecting and reaching out and, and making those relationships. Um, but those are the main two because that's where most people are. That's why there's so much advertising money spent on those programs, on those platforms, more so than any other platform. It's because they have the biggest reach, right? So the key to social media is be strategic and be purposeful in what you're posting, when you're posting, and where you're posting. Um, and, and keep it simple, as simple as you can. You don't need to be everywhere. You just need to be in front of the most people. Yeah, you nail it. And I'll throw I'll throw YouTube in there as well. Yeah. Uh, creating content such as this, uh, and and it can be anything from I used to do uh, like little roadside chats that were one minute long to longer presentations yeah. when I held my. I remember those. Workshops, those right? were great. They yeah, you should start doing those again. Actually, those were good. I should. I should. And yeah. and that's what like people like to consume video. Uh, they like to consume information, and more importantly, like to consume value. Right. So mm -hmm. if you can kind of take value into a little entertainment, that's that's where I think the gold lies at the moment. Um, yeah, it's cool to jump on the new the new um, social media platforms. And that's cool. I you cannot be the master at all. So be the master at one. Right. And then yeah. start branching out. And I don't know many masters of one, really. Uh, so there's a lot which is which what I'm saying, if you read between the lines, there's a lot of opportunity still out there. So yeah. go get it. Good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Good, good, good. Jen, that wraps up our quick takes. We got through it. I love it. Quick <laughs> slash long takes today. Because quick long them, takes. Yeah. Yeah. We need to rebrand that. <laughs> <laughs> like a big hammer comes down or something over top. Yeah. You guys or that big horn. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Your time is up. Yeah. That's right. So, uh, yeah. 
even though the show's coming to an end, the post doesn't. The post lives on forever. The video lives on forever. And uh, again, you know, write your comments in if this if you're watching the replay. Jen and I will often circle back and and uh, and connect with with people that way. Thanks, Rhonda, for watching. Awesome. Thanks to everybody for watching. A lot of people watching today, which was pretty cool. And uh, and looking forward to next week. Jen, mm -hmm. I'll let you sign off today. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for joining us, guys. Um, don't forget to put it in your calendar. Reach out to us if you have any other questions. If you want to talk more about any of the topics we talked about, connect with us privately. You can always DM us as well or text us. And otherwise, have a great week. Stay safe, and we'll see you next Tuesday.